guys doing okay today? Yeah. Stay up late last night? Yeah. yeah. Need the toothpicks in your eyes this morning to keep you awake? <laughs> well, uh, we just completed here in our church a special season, uh, just a week-long time of prayer and fasting, and I uh, hope that you all participated in that to the level that you felt the Spirit of God prompting you to, and uh, hopefully during that time you drew closer to God, amen, and uh, felt your hunger for the things of God growing, and um, you know, he's, he's wonderful, isn't he? He's the Lord, and we love him, he saved us, and uh, we have a lot to be grateful for, and there's, you know, the Lord's like an ocean, you know, you can... He's so vast, you can swim your whole life around in the ocean that is God and not even begin to, to explore the depths of who he is. He is, uh, he is wonderful. And just in that vein, I'd like us to join in prayer together before we look into God's word, okay? So bow with me if you would. Our Father, it is true, there is no one uh, who even is in your league of awesomeness, and uh, we acknowledge that today. We are your people. We gather here today in the house of God, to worship, to praise your holy name, to thank you for your son Jesus who laid down his life for us and then took it up again that we might be saved and have his life in us. Lord, thank you so much for giving us the Bible, the word of God, and not leaving us clueless to wander around aimlessly on this earth, Lord, but you've shown us the way. We pray today for the ministry of the Holy Spirit as we look into the word together that he might change us Make adjustments where adjustments are needed to our lives, and may we embrace ever more deeply a love relationship with Christ. I offer this prayer in your name. Amen. Amen. And if you have a copy of the Bible with you today or have it on your device, you can go to Matthew chapter 6. And today we're beginning a brand new series. We're still walking through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount together, but this section, uh, we're kind of sectioning off, and we're calling this series The Choice, and uh, I'm going to ask you to just listen as I read the portion of scripture that we're going to be looking at today from Matthew 6, beginning in verse 19, where Jesus continued in this sermon by saying this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, what does it say? There your heart will be also. I wonder how many of you have ever been in an airport walking up the concourse to get to your gate and catch your flight when you hear this beep, 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 beep sound coming up behind you? What does that mean? It means that one of those golf cart thingies is about to overtake you, and you better get out of the way, right? Because it's coming through, and it's not going to stop for any, anybody. And in that instant, when you hear that beep, beep sound, you got to make a choice, right? Am I going to, like, dive off to the left to get out of the way, or am I going to peel off to the right to get out of the way? A choice is required. It's fun to watch a crowd of travelers just kind of part like the Red Sea to let that thing through there in the airport. Well, you know what? Jesus had that kind of effect on people when he was here, and he still does, when Jesus came through a community, he would speak gospel truth so clearly and with such authority that people immediately knew that they had to make a choice. 
since we began walking through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount several months ago, we've seen him drive his cart right through the middle of this church, calling each of us to make our choice. Which way am I going to go? Am I going to move over here to a life of embracing Jesus Christ and his gospel and the values of his kingdom? Or am I going to peel off over here and join the crowd that's embracing the values of another kingdom? often called the kingdom of this world. What choice will I make? And in this section we're looking at here today, it's like Jesus is in the golf cart again, driving right through the middle of this church and saying, we've talked about a lot of things, but today I want to talk to you about your money, about your treasure, about your possessions, your resources, and especially about the place that they have in your heart. And once again, it's going to divide the crowd. You're going to have to make a choice. God has gifted this church with many people who have a particular area of expertise and knowledge and giftedness that they they desire to offer to the body of Christ to build us up in the faith. And when it comes to this matter of Christians and their financial stewardship, one of our elders here, Jay Akins, has a particularly intense passion to help God's people get their, their minds and their hearts aligned with the mind of Jesus on this subject. And so, I've asked Jay this morning to come and to bring us insight into Jesus' teaching here and to challenge us to apply it to our lives. So go ahead and welcome Jay Akins, would you? Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. Treasures in heaven. It was a uh, Saturday morning last fall when Pam and I took our three grandchildren, Caleb, Abigail, and Maya, to a local park. And I'd had a somewhat difficult week and was looking forward to drinking my mug of coffee and watching them run around and burn off all the extra energy that they somehow have all the time. And so just as I settled down and started to drink my coffee, I hear this, Grandpa, Grandpa, come play with me. That was my four-year-old granddaughter, Abigail. So, I, being a good grandpa, I didn't have any options, so I said, sure. Uh, it's, so, I went over and climbed up this, uh, this set of steps across this rope bridge. And I would tell you, that, that rope bridge is not as fun as I remembered it when I was younger. <laughs> you know, it, it, it just... And, and, then, and then she says, and up to this little platform, and Abigail says, sit down, Grandpa. And she was sitting Indian style. Well, I've got a bad back, a bad knee. So that wasn't even that fun either, but, but we got there. And, and so she looks at me and says, okay, Grandpa, we're going to play Bible study. And I go, all right, Abigail, that's good. You don't think you have influence on, on younger kids, those you teach, huh? Um, so she says, we're going to play Bible study. And, she's, and she looks at me with her big dark eyes and says, now, Grandpa, she says, I am going to ask you a very important question. And I want, to th- want you to think about your answer before you answer. <laughs> this is a four-year-old. <laughs> you know? So I, I said, okay, Abigail, what's the question? She said, how do you know for sure that you're going to go to heaven? So I thought about that for a minute. And, and I said, well, Abigail, when I was, when I was an adult, uh, I, first of all, when I was growing up, I used to think that if my good deeds, my good works outweighed my bad works, that I was for sure going to go to heaven. But someone explained to me that it was by grace that we are saved through faith, 
A gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then the same person went on to tell me that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that I knew that I had sinned at least once. But there's good news. And then they told me the verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So I believed in Jesus Christ as my Savior. And then Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I called on, on Jesus, on God, to be my Savior. And there's yet another verse, Abigail, that says, No one can ever pluck me out of my Father's hand. So I know for sure that I'm going to go to heaven. And she looks at me and she says, Good answer, Grandpa. <laughs> Would you like a sucker or a piece of gum? <laughs> well, a four-year-old refocused me on heaven. As I was thinking about heaven and treasures in heaven, my mind went back to eight years ago this week when I had a heart attack while working in Pittsburgh. We had just moved the previous weekend. We had just moved Dan and Beth to a new home. And, and during, during that time, we had had pizza and chili, both of which can give pretty serious heartburn. So I was exhausted, and I was driving to Pittsburgh to work uh, on Monday morning, and uh, I wasn't feeling very good, and all of a sudden, about Wheeling, West Virginia, I got a, I got a pain that, that really hurt in my chest. It came, and it was, it was hard, but then it went away. So I continued to drive on to Pittsburgh. But, but when I got to the hotel and, and was meeting with my, my friend, who we were going to go to dinner with some other work associates, I said, Mark, I, I believe I need to go to either an urgent care or a hospital to get checked. I am just not feeling very good at all. So he took me to a small rural hospital that was close by where I was staying. And we, we, just as we got into the waiting room, I started to have a heart attack. They took me in, hooked me up to all the, all the different things, and um, started to give me nitro, nitroglycerin. And they gave me nitroglycerin, and they gave me more and they gave me more, and they gave me more, and they gave me more. Finally, they couldn't, they, they couldn't give me any more. So they came to me and said, Mr. Akins, he says, we're going to start you on morphine, and we've called for a life flight helicopter. Well, I, I, I was with my parents when they, when they passed away, and in their last minutes and hours, they were on morphine. It, it, just to make you feel comfortable. So I was loaded onto the light flight helicopter, and, and, and as I was in the helicopter, my mind went directly to heaven. I certainly hadn't planned on dying that day, but, but I knew I may soon be in heaven. First of all, I want you all to know that I had a perfect peace about whether I lived or died. And, and to me, that, that's, I believe that's what they call the peace that passes all understanding. Because I don't know how I could have been so calm in that situation. But, but I wasn't really ready to die. See, I, I, I wanted to see my first grandchild born, and I had just begun some new ministries here at New Life, which I was very excited about. Then God appeared to ask me this. What difference had I made for eternity? Well, I was a good husband, a good father, a good employee, a good Christian, possibly even a good church leader. I cared about people. I tried to meet their needs. I actually sacrificed from time to time for others. 
But, but what about my treasures in heaven? How many people had a truly made a difference in their lives that I will see in eternity? How many people had put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as a result of them either hearing the gospel from me or seeing me living the gospel through the Holy Spirit that was within me? Unfortunately, my list wasn't very long. Well, the doctor saved my life. They found that I had four block, blocked arteries, two 100%. One of those arteries they affectionately called the widow maker. And the other two were 80% blocked. They had inserted two heart stents in the 100% blocked arteries, but, but delayed the others because they felt my body could not handle the procedure at that time. Seven weeks later, I had two additional stents inserted here in Columbus. After spending two days in the cardiac intensive care, I was released to a, a regular room. So weak, I couldn't, couldn't hardly move. But one of the things I wanted to do was, was open the Word of God and, and just read some from the Word of God. I had no, no idea what I was looking for or anything, but when I opened the Bible, God held me, had me open to Psalms 39, 4 through 7. And it says this, Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain they rush about, heaping up wealth without knowing whose it will finally be. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Well, God directly spoke to me through this passage. I was more focused on heaping up wealth and investing in eternity. Life was just so busy, and a lot of the time I just went with the flow. Verse 7 says, but now, Lord, what am I waiting for? My hope is in you. My focus needs to be on him, and my life needs to be lived focusing on the things that will last for eternity. What are we waiting for? Ecclesiastes 2.18 is a verse that I call Confessions of a Workaholic. It says, I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. Colossians 3, 2 says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Philippians 3, 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. 1 Peter 2, 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which, which wage war against your soul. The earth is not our permanent home. Heaven is. Our time here on earth is an average of 70 to 80 years, while our time in heaven is for eternity. Doesn't it only make sense that we should be investing in our permanent home instead of our temporary home, laying up treasures in heaven? Where no moths, nor rust, nor thieves have any effect? Well, you say to yourself, that's easier said than done. But, but let me give you an illustration from, from Randy Elkhorn's book, Money, Possessions, and Eternity. Imagine for a moment now that you are alive at the end of the Civil War. You are living in the South, but your home is really in the North. While in the South, you have accumulated a good amount of Confederate currency. Suppose you know that the North is going to win the war soon. What will you do with your Confederate money? If you were smart, there is only one answer to the question. You would cash in your Confederate currency 
for U.S. currency, the only money that will have value once the war is over. You will keep only enough Confederate currency to meet your basic needs for that short period until the war was over. The currency of this world will be worthless at our death or at Christ's return, both of which are imminent. For us to accumulate vast earthly treasures in the face of the inevitable future is the equivalent of stockpiling Confederate money. The only currency of value in heaven is our present service and generous giving to God's kingdom. Jim Elliott, the martyred missionary, said it this way, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We need to refocus our lives and our resources that God has given us to make a difference for eternity. What difference are we making for eternity? John D. Rockefeller was one of the wealthiest men who ever lived. After he died, someone asked his accountant, how much did old John D. leave? The accountant replied, all of it. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. How many of you have ever seen a hearse pull in a U-Haul? You got my point. Uh, again, the question we should be asking is, what difference are our lives making for eternity? Well, everything belongs to God. Psalms 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and, and those who dwell within. Haggai 2, 8 says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Deuteronomy 8, 18, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you even the power to get wealth. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20, You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Everything belongs to God. We are simply his, his stewards or his asset managers. It's not ours. So let's make our master proud. Well, let's go back and look at our passage a little more closely, very quickly. Regarding clothes, clothes meant even more in, in the New Testament times than in our culture today. They were a significant symbol of wealth, often extremely expensive, beautiful and richly ornamented. Yet, moss destroyed them in a heartbeat. Silver and gold, we didn't have the, we didn't have the, the places to keep them, the safes and all the, the things that the atmospheric pressure controls. Rust would, would just destroy great wealth very quickly. And the walls of homes were made out of loose stone and, and hardened clay. Thieves often dug through a wall, entered, and stole whatever was there. There was no security systems, deadbolts, etc. back then. So what do we do with our money today? Spend it? Save it? Invest it? If we invest it, what do we invest it in? Our existing and what I'd like to call our old perspective is accumulating things here on earth, focusing on day-to-day -day living, tasks, errands, to-do lists, etc., saving some money, investing in mutual funds, looking for retirement, etc. These are all okay, but not where our primary focus should be. Our new perspective, not to do away with now, but to minimize the old perspective and focus on what difference are we making for eternity. While we can't neglect the things of this world that are required of us to live here, 
we can live our lives focusing more on things that have eternal value. Well, how then shall we live? How then shall we give and invest what God has entrusted to us here on earth? Well, the churches at Macedonia, at Macedonia give us some insight. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5 says this. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonia churches. In the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. Verse 5, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord. We must give ourselves fully and completely to the Lord. Then and only then will we be able to com completely concentrate on investing for eternity. In Macedonia, these Christians had severe trials and extreme poverty that welled up in rich generosity? That, that doesn't even sound right. But their focus was on meeting the needs of the saints and equipping the church to spread the gospel. They urgently pleaded for the privilege of investing in the kingdom of God, ministering to others, and making a difference for eternity. Wow. Paul goes on in verse 7. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. We don't talk very much about excelling in the grace of giving. But Paul challenges us to do exactly that. Well, how much should I give? 2 Corinthians 8.12 says this. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Give what you have, not in comparison to others. Give of what you have. Pastor Steve recently had a message on New Testament uh, giving. Grace giving versus the tithe. We, today, we are, the tithe was used in the Old Testament and is a good, a good guideline for us to give. But we are under grace giving. Jesus died for our sins that we might have everlasting life. Jesus died for us. How much is that worth? We are under grace. So whatever you decide to give, there are no boundaries, like, like, the, like those in the church at Macedonia. Well, I overheard in the foyer after Pastor Steve's sermon on giving, I am sure happy that I don't have to give a tithe. Wrong answer. Wrong attitude. The right attitude is what the Macedonians had urgently pleaded with us to give more. If we give more, more lives will be changed. More people will be fed physically and spiritually. Please, please, please let me give more. That's where our heart should be. Now I'm going to perhaps get a little radical here, and I need you to listen to this next part very carefully. I would like to see each of us get out of the habit of giving. 
would someone please get Pastor Steve a glass of water? Uh, uh, no, notice I did not say stop giving. I said I'd like to see you get out of the habit of giving. Stay with me now. A habit in its simplest definition is an acquired pattern behavior that often occurs automatically. In many cases, there really is little or no thought put into it. An example of, of your, a lot of times your morning routine. I, I get up, I go to the bathroom, I put on a robe, I make coffee, get the paper. And sometimes, you know, it just happens, doesn't it? I don't think much about it. I don't know who you are. But how about where you put your keys, your car keys? Is, you have a habit that, and if you don't, if you get out of that habit, or you're really asking where my keys are, right? And same way with glasses. And some of us teeth. No, never mind. Um, but, but anyhow, um, most of the time we talk about habits, and it is in a relationship to break a bad habit, such as biting our fingernails, interrupting people before they're done speaking, or things like procrastination, or even shopping. Uh, shopping, that, that refers to excessive shopping, and shopping for things that we really don't need. Not all shopping is bad. I don't want to... I don't want to get on anybody's bad side here. <laughs> well, we break bad habits and hopefully develop good habits. But the focus on habits is almost always on us, not God. Giving needs to be more than just a habit. Rather than continue in the habit of giving, I want to encourage you to develop a heart for giving. The Macedonians had a heart Forgiving. They had both passion and compassion for people and spreading the gospel. They pleaded to keep on giving. What a tremendous example for us. Let's look at another passage, which is the building of the tabernacle in Exodus 35, verses 20 to 35. I'm not going to read this whole passage. I'm going to just pull some things out of it. The people brought gold, gold rings, ornaments, yarn, fine linens, goat hair, ram skins, silver, bronze, acacia wood, etc., all these things had different value. They brought what they had to give. And all of them were important. Everything was needed. Now, there are more than just money and possessions that we can invest for eternity. We also have our, our time and our talents. Three T's. Time, talents, and treasures. Each of us, the Bible says, is fearfully and wonderfully made. And we are different from anyone else. We are all very well aware of what we are not good at. But God has given each of us at least one gift to use for him here on earth. We may never have much money, but we might have a unique talent or ability or gift that we can provide to use for his kingdom. Verse 25 and 26 says, And every skillful woman spun with her hands, and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goats here. Extremely important. Sometimes overlooked. Some of your talents. Some of, you, some of your their time that you're willing to spend. Talking about a craftsman in verse 31 32. And, he, and it says, And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs to work in gold and silver in bronze. I so appreciate people that are, who can do things with their hands because that's not how God's wired me. 
I'm more of an analytical and can figure things out, but, but I'm not good with my hands and creating things or visualizing things that need to be created. Everything is important. All of our time, talents, and treasures. Exodus 36, 2 through 7 says this. Then Moses summoned Beziel and Oliab and every skillful person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work in the sanctuary left what they were doing and they said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Wow. Then, then Moses gave an order and sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because they had already had, what they already had was more than enough to do the work. Amazing. A heart for giving. A passion and desire for each of us to do as much and even more than is needed to lay up treasures in heaven by making a huge difference here on earth with our time, talents, and treasures. Our focus here on New Life is first and foremost to spread and share the gospel of Christ. We want Christ to be glorified in everything that we do. We have many ministries in the church and in the community, many outreaches in the community, Many outreaches in the country and in foreign countries, meeting the needs of the poor, the homeless, the hungry, the building churches, training foreign pastors, taking care of orphans, seeing these children not only being fed and cared for physically, but also spiritually, and many, thing, many other things as well. In every ministry, our underlying goal is gospel-centeredness. When the Matthew, when, when the Matthew 6.20 passage talks about where your treasures are, they're your, will your heart be also? My thoughts go to this passage in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, heaven, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Life that is truly life. Life that lasts forever in heaven. Well, there's, there's many hindrances that we face, and we're going to discuss just real quickly four of them. There's, once again, there's many, many more. But one of the hindrances we face in this situation is our perspective on giving. Our perspective on giving. We focus on ourselves. We are in the habit of giving versus the heart for giving. I want to give just enough to feel like I fulfilled my obligation. It's a self-centered performance giving attitude. Another hindrance Worldly needs take priority. I have all these worldly pressures, and I made some poor financial decisions. By the way, I think all of us have. Get help. We, we have some folks here at New Life, including myself, who probably will be able to help you improve your situation. But God has promised he will provide all of your basic needs. Ask God to change your heart in this area, and he, you will begin to see him work in many ways in your life. 
one of the biggest ones. Number three, deferred gratification versus instant gratification. We are an instant gratification society. We want to invest in something and see the results now. Not even five minutes from now. We want to see the results immediately. And our whole society is geared that way. What we're talking about here is deferred gratification. Treasures in heaven that are going to last for eternity. The last one is, I can't afford to give. I can't afford to give. I've heard that many, many times. I'm going to go on record as saying I believe truly that that's, that's a lack of faith. That that's just a lack of faith. Do you know how much it costs to raise a child today? There was just a study in the, in the dispatch this week. $241,000 from 0 to 18 per child. No college education. That doesn't count college. Okay? Now, I'm a counselor. So if you put me in a room with you and let me explain to you if you're thinking about having a child, I will tell you you're, not, you're absolutely not prepared financially, and most of us are not prepared mentally. Okay? But does that mean you shouldn't have it? Are, are you thinking about having a second or third or fourth child? Are you crazy? <laughs> Think about that now. But yet we have children. We bring them into the world. We love them. Do we do that by faith? If we live by faith in that, in that arena, why not live by faith in giving to God? You need to live by faith when your heart is prompting, prompting you to give to him. Well, there's some white space if you have your, uh, have your outline in front of you. The last, last part is, how then shall we live? There's going to be seven, seven quick things. If you miss them, I'll be happy to, to uh, go through them with you quickly at, at the end of the service. Number one is we need to live on a budget or personal spending plan. Only 7% of Christians do this. And many, many, many of us <laughs> don't know where our money goes. We just know we don't have enough of it. We need to be good stewards, good asset managers. Number two, I want to encourage you to have a weekly family time or date night to fortify those key relationships. It was difficult, time pressures, all those things, but I would tell you it's a tremendous investment to make. We, we, did, we had, a, for many years, we had a family time on Friday nights with our boys, and even as they got into the teen years, the middle school years, and the high school years, they still wanted to spend time with mom and dad. That, that, that was an honor, and, and, and i got to believe a rarity in today's times. Number three, interact with neighbors and look for opportunities to help them and to show them God's love and what Christ means to you. You don't have to just spout the gospel uh, or, you know, every time you see your neighbor. Love them. Care for them. Let them know that let them know who you are and then demonstrate God's love in, in, in the, in, in, in their, in, in, so they can see it in their lives. Number four, don't allow worldly activities and possessions to crowd out godly ones. Evaluate and minimize your children's extracurricular activities. How many people feel like sometimes if you're a parent that you're just running all the time? I mean, when we only had two children, and, and sometimes, you know, Pam would take one one place, I would take one the other place, we would meet, you know, maybe we meet for, maybe, maybe you know, both parents couldn't do everything, and, and, 
We only had two. Okay? We were just on a treadmill. And, and sometimes the good things, we, we talked about good, better, best in our household a lot. Sometimes the good things far outweighed the best things. We, we actually said, okay, guys, we need to, you need to choose two things that you have a passion for. And we're going to support that. Even if you're talented enough to do four things, four extra Kirk activities, that's not good for us or for you. Number five, share the gospel at least once a month. Once a month. Number six, give regularly with a heart forgiving, with passion and compassion for those in need and for the lost. Number seven, put people before projects and God above everything else. Well, back to 2 Corinthians 6, 8. And 10 and 11. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. In verse 11, God blesses us to increase our standard of giving, not our standard of living. And our generosity should not result in thanksgiving to us, but rather, the verse says, in thanksgiving to God. Amen? Verse 13, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves... Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. God gets the praise for our obedience that accompanies our confession of the gospel of Christ and for our generosity in sharing with people our time, talents, and treasures. You see, it always goes back to the sharing and living out the gospel of Christ. A new perspective for some of us. Laying up treasures in heaven. What difference are we making for eternity? I pray that each of us would develop a heart for giving. Let's each of us make a huge difference for God. I would like to close with the words from a, an older song written by Ray Bolts. Entitled, Thank You. I dreamed I went to heaven, and you were there with me. We walked upon the streets of gold, beside the crystal sea. We heard the angels singing, then someone called your name. You turned and saw this young man, and he was smiling as he came. And he said, friend, you may not know me now. And then he said, but wait, you used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight. And every week you would say a prayer before that class would start. And one day, when you said that prayer, I asked Jesus in my heart. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. Then another man stood before you and said, Remember the time a missionary came to your church and the pictures made you cry. You didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. Jesus took the gift you gave, and that's why 
I'm here today. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. One by one they came, far as the eye could see, each life somehow touched by your generosity. Little things that you had done, sacrifices made, unnoticed on the earth, in heaven now proclaimed. And I know up in heaven you're not supposed to cry, but I'm almost sure there were tears in your eyes. As Jesus took your hand and you stood before the Lord, he said, my child, look around you. Great is your reward. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. I am so glad you gave.